Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 7-9 The Ticket. We'll go the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get into. Results from last night, news from the week, some big breaking news over the weekend regarding some pay-per-views in the UFC. But last night in Brazil... Leona Machida gets a split decision over Eric Anders. A bit of a coming out for Eric Anders. Big headline for him. You know, UFC wants big things for him. Former Alabama guy. Uh, used to play football for the Crimson Tide, and they were hoping that this would be a big performance against him. St- step up against a, a legendary name, a former champion, Leona Machida. Guys had a really closely contested fight. Good fight between them. I actually had Anders winning. Uh, they came up with, uh, with Leona Machida getting the split decision. You have to think that in Brazil... Who's going to get the nod there? Obviously, it's going to be Leoto. Some questionable things going on yesterday in Brazil, all kinds of stuff. Uh, refereeing being one of them, as you had Mario Yamasaki. He was the uh, he was he was ref in the co-main event, and it was really rough. It was really rough. Uh, you had Valentina Shevchenko taking on Priscilla Cachoeira, and Valentina's just pouring it on her, just just brutal absolutely devastating performance. It really should have been stopped multiple times. And Mario Yamasaki is just letting it go and letting it go and letting it go. And, you know, eventually got to a point where she got the rear naked choke in. She taps out, still doesn't stop the fight. And eventually a, a second tap was enough for Mario to step in and decide, okay, this is good. We're fine here. And this drew the ire of Dana White. He was not happy about it. He went out there and blasted him on social media. Says he hopes he never steps foot in an octagon again. So, this is tough. You know, what do you do in this situation if you are the UFC? I find it hard to believe that the UFC doesn't have the power. Because, you know, Dana's in there and he says, uh, Priscilla Cachoeira, you showed so much, heart, so much heart and toughness in the fight. I'm honored to have you fighting the UFC. Unfortunately, the ref is there to protect you. And Mario did not do that in caps. Uh, this isn't his first disgusting performance in the octagon. Another unfortunate thing that I can't do anything over. Only the Brazilian commission can. And I'm hoping after this scary incompetence showing, he finally will never step foot in an octagon again. The strikes landed were 230 to 3. I saw it was 217 to 1 on, on some combi box numbers. Maybe that was after one round. Uh, it was, it was really, it was really, really rough. Um, but yeah, I, if you are in this situation, if you do think something is this egregious, you know, Mario is definitely one of the most recognizable referees out there. But you know, a lot of the times these things are just done by tenure. You know, it's so hard to almost get in the club. Like, who knows even how to become a, a mixed martial arts referee? It's one of those things where it's just like 
who even knows how to become a uh, a boxing judge or a boxing or a mixed martial arts referee. The the circle is so small there. So how do you get new people into the game? How do you know who the good people are? It's been the same good four people for years. It's been Herb Dean, John McCarthy, the dude who got busted for weed, and Mario Yamasaki. Those are the four that come off my name. Those who I assume are the four most qualified because it seems like they're in the most fights. Oh, you got that other uh, guy who's got a huge potato head, Dan Mergliata. You see him there too. And now you got John McCarthy who's broadcasting Bellator. So it seemingly is like we lost one. But who knows? Who knows who the good referees are? You bring, don't know. Bring the guy back that got busted for weed. He's back. I think he's officially off. I think okay. he fin- I think he served his time. But even when he was gone, even it was slim pickings. So who even knows where to go get these referees? Even if he didn't, put him on work release. I'm telling you, this was crazy. Fridays and Saturdays. It was like Mario Yamasaki was was uh, was was out there watching a, an episode of Street Fighter. He was looking for for the the wobbly finishing uppercut. You know what though? He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. True. Because he's been he's been criticized before, right, for stopping fights too early. That was the uh, the Kevin Lee Michael Chiesa fight. Remember yeah. he uh, he he stopped that real quick and got. But that's probably because he's probably gun shy because of beforehand. Remember he got into it with Joe Rogan at one point because he disqualified Eric Silva, and Joe Rogan's like, well, "What are you doing? You, you don't know what you're doing out there, Mario." But I assume he's one of the best because he's always in big fights and he's got the heart thing. Heart thing's not good. Heart's always good, especially this month. Oh, is it this way? It's true. <laughs> this is a love month. So I don't know. I don't know. Dana says he has so no you power. Were, you were very upset. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not like outraged in the wall. I'm just like, jeez, what, what, what does this guy want to see? Co- her corner should have threw the towel in. Well, that's true. That's a so weird thing with let's MMA. Let's not put it all. Let's not put it all on. Mario. 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 That's not a thing in boxing. I mean, in mixed martial arts. Stop. It's the not. Fight. But it's it, really not. But it's. But it, that's what a corner is is there for. Totally. Not just to give incorrect instructions, but to also protect the best interest of their fighter. And if you see that your fighter is taking over 230 shots, most of them, I would say about 80 or 90% of them, vicious shots, Yep. then it's on you guys. That's on your camp. I mean, you're supposedly brothers and sisters and family and so tight, but you can sit in the cage and watch this girl take a beating like that right. and not step up and maybe be the first corner to throw the towel in because your fighter was just getting... Just demolished, yeah. and the ref was not doing what they should have been been doing. I mean, I I, I hold the corner accountable as well. I I agree with that. It's it's a funny thing because they're in this weird spot. It's like uh, it's like the old Rocky Four. You know, you got you got Apollo <laughs> just looking at Rocky. He's like, don't, don't stop this fight. He's dying. He's dying in the ring. Rocky should have stopped it. Should've I get it. Throw the damn towel. That's what the, you know. That's what Duke shouting. Rocky. Why didn't Duke have a towel? Only Rocky had a towel. Only one guy has the towel? Only one guy in the corner. The, the chief. I feel like everybody should have a towel. Because then if you got the wrong guy, maybe he's got more of a menacing mind. You know, if there's no multiple towels, towels no out there. No tap out. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. See, so you can't. So if this is the <laughs> mindset, no towels, no tap out. I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to tap out. The guy can't win. Uh... Yeah, buddy, but isn't it I just think that the these these types of things should be the situation of look, his ultimate job is to make sure nobody gets severely hurt in there. And I think it's his ultimate job is to make sure that no one's breaks the rules. True. But 
the Kevin Lee Michael Chiesa thing, it was better for him to be in a situation where he pulled the trigger early than it is getting a guy absolutely hurt. That's ultimately better is that a guy is 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 erring on the side of caution than they are on you know letting a guy completely get destroyed. And I understand, look, it's a it's a hard job because you know, are there different rules for a championship fight? Are there different feelings out there because it was a woman out there taking such a beating? Are there different ways we are taking the lens because of of how that picture goes for people? I don't know. Probably, but I think ultimately if those jobs are so few and far between of who actually gets the the big MMA shows, who gets to be in the UFC commission, who the commissions trust, that that unfortunately comes with a lot of scrutiny. You know, it's it it, it is a job that is probably thankless, but if you're going to be given those few great positions, that's that that comes with the territory, I think. That you're not going to have a lot of people happy with you. You really shouldn't shouldn't ha- you shouldn't be pandering to have people happy with you. You should just do what's right. And I think too much of the time referees can get influenced and it's natural because it's human behavior, but can be influenced by whether or not it's going right for them or, or, or if the crowd is more hostile or if it's a hometown fighter or if it's for a belt or contendership or if the guy's never lost before, you know, what is the leeway? Um, that's tough. That's tough. But Dana did not, uh, did not get too happy with the heart guy. Yeah, it was hard for him because, I kind of, as watching it, thinking, are you going to stop it? Are you going to stop it? And it gets to the point of him thinking, if I stop it too soon, are they going to say I? Because she, she was still, she was getting beat. It was obvious. But his thought process had to be, am I stopping it, stopping it because she's female? I, th- I definitely think that plays into it, Tommy Guns. I, I think it has to, that you look at these, that we're looking at it through, through a different prism because... Um, because we are watching a woman get beat in an octagon, but you know, if they're going to do it, you got to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that we've seen plenty of, you know, for example, like when they do things on Fox, remember when Fox was, was starting out, they're like, listen, we got We got a national audience. Now we got to have a quick trigger on this stuff. So if you see it getting too bloody, the thought process was the refs. You step in there and you stop it. Even back to when it was CBS with the lead XC, if it gets exactly. too gross in there, you stop it because we got a different audience here. We don't want to be in too, we want to be in gruesome. We don't want to be in too gruesome. Um, and I don't know if that is the best way they can go about their jobs. Of what are the circumstances here tonight? Okay, I got two hundred and twenty-five pound women beating on each other, or do I have two heavyweights fighting for a belt going at each other? Do I give more leeway there? How does it go? I don't know what goes into their process, but I know that it's. Uh, it's a thankless job, but also I'd like to see them err on the side of caution. And if a guy like this does have a lot of red flags, that's unfortunate. But also I feel like, man, we've done – I pretty much think we do this with that everybody who's not John McCarthy. Herb Dean's gotten a lot of flack for how he stops fights. You know, all these the, – the weed guy has a lot of, I'm sure, a lot of flags in his, in his past. That's why it was growing the greenhouse. He needed a backup plan. I think you you summed it up perfectly by saying, "Err on the side of caution." Probably Simply that. Make sure everybody's safe. Well, speaking on the air side of caution, there's uh, some big changes coming to some UFC pay per views. We'll tell you about that next. Big. It's Fighters Fury on AM seven ninety. The ticket. 
All right, welcome back. Fudge Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin Seaman, Tommy Guns here with you. We were just talking about the Machida Anders fight during the break. And it was a very close fight. I thought Anders pulled it out, but not surprising he got the nod. And also, as you were saying, Seaman, you thought he, he let uh, some opportunities slip by to really put his stamp on it. I do. I think after splitting that forehead open in the third round, I think that even when he had him tied up in the clinch against the cage in the fourth and the fifth round, he didn't really do anything to try to open that cut up anymore. He also went in for the clinch. I don't think he needed to go in for the clinch. I think he just needed to adjust his distance and stay a little closer. He he was he was not a good judge of distance, and everything that he threw was just one punch. The biggest, you know, the most substantial thing he landed, obviously, was the kick. But he never went back and didn't try to grind the head in it when he's got yeah. him clinched up against the cage and dirty him up a little bit. You know, Machida was able to control distance. I do believe that it, in my opinion, it was probably a 3-2 to two for Anders. I don't know what Tony Weeks was watching. I could see it going 3-2 either way, but definitely not 4-1. No, I didn't think it was 4-1 either. Um I, like I said, I get I get that it was in Brazil, so crowd influence. Anything Machida does is gonna woo somebody. But you, as you pointed out, it was the you know the American judge who had it for him so so no prevalently, thing. which is a little bit weird. But you know it, it's not surprising. But a good fight. It was a good fight between them, and, and it's a young learning experience for for Eric Anders, who you know they're obviously very high on has the you know Alabama background, so they they think that that's a, a, a good marketing behind him. Um, you know, but, but Leona's a tough guy to fight. You know, it's, it's not, it's not easy going in there because I think a lot of people go in there, Tommy guns. And then you think, man, if I make a mistake, I'm going to get humiliated when I get knocked out because of how he can, how he can explode and the things he can do. His kicks are phenomenal. I, there are a lot of great kickers in the sport, but Leona's are just amazing. And we were very concerned about the number of kicks that, Eric was taking to the uh, to the body. Yeah. But I think also it goes to his corner. His corner wasn't that inspiring to go out and, and go get him. Right. Yeah, fifth round. In between the fourth or fifth round, I don't know if you heard the corner. The corner said, we got this. Don't push it. Like, what does that mean? Right. You think it's in the bag? That That's obviously <laughs> what the corner felt. I can't imagine in their right mind being in Machida's hometown in Brazil, we've seen very interesting things happen in Brazil. Very interesting sight. Your sight changes slightly when, you, when you're down there. And I just don't believe that was good advice on behalf of the corner for them to believe that he, he had it and don't push it. I think they had to tell him the exact opposite, like, Go this it. could go either way. You need to go, go press put the, the pressure on him. Back him up into the cage. Push him. Push him too close to where he really can't get that back leg off if he wants to throw a kick comfortably. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like you would think it with corners with all the wonky scorecards we see in this sport. Like I would never give the advice to my fighter. Like okay, tell him to be careful if you want to, but never feel like they have anything in the bag. First of all. It's not boxing. You don't have twelve rounds where you should definitely have an idea of it of its of it being lopsided or not. It's five rounds, and we've seen plenty of scorecards where we're just like, "What? <laughs> how? How?" So with the margin for error being that small between it being three one two two, 
I mean, unless you've completely shut them out, I don't know how you could really ever give the fighter that kind of advice because you just never know what they're seeing. You never know. Never leave it to the judges. You just got to think that, eat, breathe, sleep that. Never leave it. You have to be to thinking, yeah, we are, I'm thinking, I'm, I, my, my mentality if I'm a coach is this, my fighter is performing in front of the three dumbest people on earth. Like that's great that, strategy. Like I like that. That's that's how it should be because you just mm-hmm. whoever knows what if does it is it crowd noise that influences them? Are they influenced by blood? Are they influenced by takedowns? Do they know how do they feel about going for submission? You just never are, know. The biggest question: Are they actually watching the fight? Yes. You know that's the that's the biggest concern with the judges: Are they actually watching the fight? And if you don't know if the judge is really watching the fight then you could be in for a long night. But I think it was an inexperienced corner. I'm not familiar with this fight camp. I know they're out of Alabama. But I just felt like they did not give him very good sound advice for going into the final round. If he wins this fight, he's, you know, realistically, now he's a ranked fighter. He's not a ranked fighter right now. No. So now he's at least 13, 12 or 13, you would have to. I don't even think he's in the top fifteen because that's no, what I'm the saying, rankings if go he down beats, to. Oh, if, if he, he beats, beats him, Machida, yeah, yeah, for sure. So now you be you have so much at stake here. All this hype before you, you got your undefeated record. You beat a legend. You got the story. You beat the legend, and there was no push no to urgency. go for that. And that's not what Dana wants to see, regardless of the story and Alabama football player and Nick Saban's process into preparing for fight. You got to go out there and fight and win the game. Yeah. And he didn't do that and I don't think that he possessed that and his corner didn't possess that and I have to believe based on that. To me it shows your corner doesn't believe in you if they tell you if they don't tell you to go out there and take this fight from this guy. He's old, he's tired, he's a has been. Go take it to him. I, uh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you there. So the big, Sign me up, Rock! The, the big news this week, um, we got unfortunate news just going into the weekend. Max Holloway is out of his fight with Frankie Edgar. This second time this has gone down. First it was Frankie, now it's Max. And Max, I mean... I mean, as But Dur- Max never gets hurt. Never. This is like a... It, it, he's got to really be hurt. Yeah, he's it's got to be something serious. So the UFC, they want to put uh, Coronary Hawani, put Frankie against Brian Ortega... In the meantime, but they also want to do a title fight. And the first place they went to was TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt rematch. Uh, Cody, according to him, accepted right away. TJ, he gave this long statement to ESPN where he's just like, Cody's got to go on a rematch. I had to wait two years for my rematch. He doesn't deserve it. Plus, I just, my wife just had a baby and I'm focused on getting the Mighty Mouse fight in July. So... You know why? Because he knows that was a fluke win. I have, I, first of all, I think, I think couple, Cody annihilates him in the rematch. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, having the baby, a month, your wife just had a baby after a month. You're not doing anything after a month. You're useless to that baby. <laughs> That's it. The only thing you're there for is to comfort your wife or significant other. And as far as helping the baby, there's nothing doing. Cody Garbrandt, interestingly enough, his wife is due fight week that they would want to do this. So I think the baby thing, it kind of goes saying up. Cody's got his priorities straight? I'm just saying the Cody thing, uh, the, the baby thing, 
I throw that out the window. Like, all sympathies to you. Congratulations on being a father. But that's not that's not You better get out there and fight. You gotta support this kid. Right. That's not viable to me. Now, the rematch thing, does Cody deserve a rematch? If you're telling me, does Cody deserve a rematch as opposed to you deserve to go cut weight to go fight Mighty Mouse, a weight class you've never been to, a fight I'm not interested in, unless it's DJ going up. I don't, I, I, guys, I've been on this for a while. I don't understand the appeal of the bigger guy saying, I'm going to cut weight and I'm going to go fight a 125-pound man. I could do it easily. I'm like, okay. So? So you're telling me you could beat up a smaller guy? Great. Big deal. <laughs> That'd be like Stipe saying, I'm going to go down to 205 and I'm going to beat DC. No. The appeal is he's going up in weight. The appeal with Amanda Nunes versus Cyborg, she wants to go up to fight Cyborg. I don't want to see people go down in weight to fight. I don't care. When DJ, whenever the hell he's decided a billion title defenses in a row is enough, and he decides I want to go up to 135 to challenge myself, that's the appeal. All right, that's the only interesting thing with 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 Mighty Mouse, but it certainly isn't. Hey, let's see if TJ Dillashaw can kill himself getting dehydrated to go fight a guy who's five foot one and one hundred and twenty five pounds. And he might lose. And he might lose. But I, but either way, him beating the scale and Mighty Mouse not appealing to me. One thirty five, Mighty Mouse going up, a guy who's been the perennial one twenty five champion, and he tries to go get a belt in another weight class. That interests me a little. But for whatever reason. The guy who just won the 135 belt for the second time, him going to collect the 125 belt, it does nothing for me. It hasn't done anything for me, and it especially does nothing for me if you're telling me it's going to be on the same card as the light heavyweight champion going up to fight the heavyweight champion. It's less appealing, it's not as cool, and it doesn't have the same appeal. When did TJ Dillashaw earn the right to select his fight? I'm with you. I don't know. Like, this is a guy who's lost many title opportunities. Yep. And and now he he gets the title, and he gets to pick and choose when he wants to defend it. The UFC doesn't make that decision. I don't get it. And it's weird. Like, Dana came that's, out— See, that's a good example for an appropriate interim title fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, the champ doesn't want to defend his belt? Yeah, strip him. Okay. Well, we're going to have two guys fight for your belt then. We're going to take the belt from you. I think they have the right to do that. T.J. Dillashaw has done no disrespect, but in the scheme of things, hasn't done anything for the UFC. No. Has he brought a tremendous amount of viewers to the UFC? Does he have the ability to, I guess, uh, take the Conor McGregor position and say, hey, I've I've been on this run, I'm going to take some time off? I think that guy deserves it, if anybody. Sure. But T.J. Dillashaw? Come on. I don't know, man. It just does. I'm like, all right. What do you think, Tommy Guns? I, I, Come on. You're staying really What do you quiet think, Tommy Guns? You're usually more Dillashaw. reasonable about this stuff than we are. No, you guys have it down packed. I really never care, never do about that weight class. You know that. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go down and I'm going to beat all the little guys. Great. Ridiculous. Awesome. Well, tremendous for you, TJ Dillashaw. Great. So, first of all, we don't know if you can make the weight class. You've never fought there in your life. We're going to see you, everybody, all they're doing is being outraged about weight cutting. Every reporter who covers this sport, all I hear about is bitching about weight weight cutting, weight cutting, weight cutting. So now you want to see a guy go down to a weight class he's never fought at 
to fight in a uh, to fight in a weight class he's never fought out against the guy who's been the perennial champion there for what he deserves that I don't know. Um and you're interested in that. Like I'm interested in the matchup too, but I'm interested on better circumstances than this. And I'm also I think I don't know other options. If you're the company, you know, if, if look, if this is a huge negotiating ploy by TJ to get more dough to do a Cody Arbrand fight, then I guess props to you. But I think he's sincere where he says Cody Arbrand doesn't deserve a title shot. Um, that fight was very close. You know, TJ Dillashaw was in a lot of danger going into that first round. A lot. I mean, let's not act like you blew him out. You beat him quick. It ended fast, but it was a very competitive fight. It was also because they just it turned into, like, just a backyard brawl at a certain point. Right. Cody Garbrandt just let his hands fly. And and that fight was going to be, okay, in this little exchange, first person to land wins. Yep. That's really what it came down to. I believe that Garbrandt, when he comes back in, he's going to be much more technical. He's going to, to take his emotions out of it because now they've gotten through the whole emotional side of them fighting each other. And the defense of alpha male and and now he approaches it with a completely different mindset and i think the outcome is cody garbrandt and i think that deep down inside tj dillashaw knows that maybe it's uh it's well ufc no maybe the ufc's out of a i mean i don't know what options they go with left because i was i was just going over my head mighty mouse i guess could defend his belt i don't know against who you want him to do it uh because he's beaten everybody twice over so I don't know where they go with that, and obviously there's a, there's a huge golden uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for a Demetrius Johnson cross title fight. Um, one thirty five said no. Max is injured. One fifty five is booked for UFC two twenty three. Um, Tyron Woodley's apparently injured, so he can't go. One eighty five is capping next week. Two oh five is booked first heavyweight. So I don't know. Um, and I can't, I don't really think any of the women's fighters right now, um, you certainly can't book the flyweight women's champion cause I don't know her name. Uh, 135 Amanda Nunes. I guess they could do that. Have Amanda Nunes fight somebody. Um, although she just did Valentina Shevchenko. I think that was the lowest pay-per-view of the year. So I don't know what they do. It might be one of these things where, remember, I think that happened last year where they had to like, um, I think Verdum ended up, they just put the pay-per-view on free TV. Because they just had no options. And so it was Verdum versus, um, the hell did he fight? Maybe maybe it was Mark Hunt he ended up fighting on free TV. And because they can't, they just like, all right, we don't have any really, we don't have any title options and we don't really have any good interim options. So we got to do this. I don't know. I don't know what the good solution is there, but, um, that was kind of a bummer to hear. And I didn't think any of the reasons were that sound by CJ Dillashaw. I get it. I'm not calling, you know, TJ Dillashaw scared. I just think your reasons are flawed, very flawed. And it's a bummer that we're not going to see that fight because if you're going to tell me, what am I going to interested in see the two top bantamweights fight each other? Or am I more interested in seeing TJ Dillashaw cut weight to go fight Mighty Mouse? Yeah, I kind of want the grudge match again. That's just me. That's just me. I think the grudge works for me too. Yeah. I'm just just, get it done. I'm just way more into it than I am this – this pie in the sky idea of you know great tj dillashaw he can diet great good for him awesome <laughs> is he going to be out there with kale shakes in the middle of rounds this is how i cut weight to get to 125 and uh now i'm going to punch mighty mouse while i'm eating my shake it's fantastic who cares shannon briggs beet juice that's right the beet juice <laughs> tommy guns Sh- shannon in the kitchen
What about the guy speaking of cutting weight? What about the guy, I forget what his, his name, he fought Green uh, last night. Weighed in, 155 contract weight, weighed in at 180 pounds. And Green still fought him. Yeah. Well, did you hear, well, I guess what happened was, this happened in the Dodson fight. He was supposed to fight somebody. The hell was the guy he was fighting? And the guy ran out of hot water, so he couldn't cut weight in his hotel room. So that's that's why that's why he missed weight. And so and so he would have ended up being like ten pounds over and Dodson said, No thanks. But Dodson's, you know, Dodson's one thirty five, so I guess you understand it a little bit more. I don't know. But yeah, they ran out of hot water. But Green took eighty percent of the purse. Forty. Forty percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta negotiate hot for that. I'm gonna go fight a dude. Twenty five pounds. Yeah. Good and for he, him. And he survived. Good I for guess. Him. Good for him for making that negotiation. Yeah. I think that was a, a, a sly move. Uh, we got UFC 221 coming up next week, plus uh, more shenanigans with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. It's Tobin Seaman, Tommy Guns here with you. You excited for UFC 221 next week, Tommy Guns? Are you excited for Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero? I am, I am. That's a thing, but good consolation prize. Luke Rockhold versus Yoel Romero. That's a fun fight. That's a very fun fight. I think so. Who you got? Right now, I'm leaning Yoel. I'm leaning Yoel for a couple reasons. I think his competition's been a little bit better. Um... Luke has been knocked out in the past, and so that worries me that 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 he's a little bit chinny, and you know Yoel's Yoel was just in a very very close fight against Robert Whitaker, who, I mean, if we're going to talk about strikers, who's better, Robert Whitaker or Luke Rockhold? It's very close, but I'd almost go. I think Whitaker's a little bit more devastating right now. Um, I don't know exactly where Luke's head's at, and so I I lean towards Yoel pulling it out this time and and getting the interim interim belt. What do you guys think? I definitely got Yoel. Yeah. It seems like a waiting. <laughs> okay, now I can pick. Okay. No, I, I was going to say Yoel as well. If it was about a year and a half, two years ago, I would have said Luke. Because I was not convinced that Yoel could go full throttle for five rounds. I feel a little more comfortable with that after his last few fights. Right. And I believe that he's a he's going to be a better wrestler and he's a more powerful striker. Mm -hmm. So what does Luke do? Luke's going to have to try to stay on the outside and pick him apart. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the explosiveness of Yoel, Yoel's older now. Yes. So he's up there in age. I think he's 39, 38, 39. He is. He is. I did. I was impressed with his last fight against Robert Whitaker, his ability to keep going. I think everybody always questions Yoel's cardio because of his physique. He's so muscled up. Everybody wonders, you know, is he going to be able to be able to um, – you know, uh, have the oxygen for those muscles the entire five rounds. He's got more experience than that recently. Um, whereas, you know, Luke's not only been inactive, but not a guy who who goes the distance. Alone. I'm not questioning his cardio. I just think that I, I wouldn't put that necessarily as a check mark against Yoel. If you're going to say, oh, well, mm -hmm. this, if this fight goes long, then I definitely think it benefits Luke. I don't, I don't think it does either way. I think, you know, I think I think we've seen the explosion. We've seen the ability of of Yoel to to deal with all kinds of very very dangerous opponents. He's been there with a lot of the top top guys. 
You know, he's he's you know he had a very close fight with Jacare, a devastating win over Chris Weidman. Um, you know, he, he last time he was down, the last time we had UFC down here, he blasted Leota Machida, um, and was and it was super close against Robert Whitaker. So just like the fact he's been a little bit more active, he's been in there with the cream of the crop, and I think he's more ready for this than Luke is. I, I just I don't I think Luke's a little bit more of a wild card right now. I agree with you. A hundred percent. And uh, so if if he has not lost any of that explosiveness as he continues to get older, then I believe that he will prevail. I do believe that if it goes into the fourth or fifth round, that yeah, Luke has an edge. Yeah. I, I do believe that, you know, as that, what is it, lactic acid builds up, yeah. I believe that he's not as quick and explosive with the power shots, meaning UL in the fourth and fifth rounds. But if he can rounds one through three, I think he's he's a he's a problem for well, Luke. The thing that would be interesting to watch with Yoel, does he go into this fight thinking about going the the five rounds? Because that clearly looked like a conscious effort when he fought Robert Whitaker the last time he was in a title fight. Um or does he really sprint at Luke? Because I think we have seen with Luke where even against David Branch, um Luke seems like he's most vulnerable early in a fight. You know, you think about the loss to Bisbing early in a fight. Uh, even he got head kicked to hell by a juiced out the gills Vitor Belfort. I, I just <laughs> think that if you look at Luke Rockwell, he is, I, I think, a little bit slow on the stars, likes to feel things out. So maybe those are is the best opportunity for Yoel to win this fight. Is it just going straight at him, trying to take it early? Or is it to try and keep your energy and, and be conscious for the long haul? How does he go about that? Because the most dangerous Yoel Romero is usually the guy we're thinking about is going to explode on a guy and, 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 and try and pummel him. Not necessarily the guy who's going to go out there and try and win a decision. That's not really his style. It's usually doing something super athletic, something that he just pulls out of his bag of tricks. So I don't know. I, I I don't. I understand him wanting to fight smarter, especially at this age. But is that the best path to victory, or is it blasting on Luke and and trying to take that risk of getting him out of there early? But then maybe you run the risk of of emptying your gas tank and needing time to recover. It's a, it's an interesting matchup. It, it's a fun matchup. I do. I I agree. I think first round he should feel him out and then explode on him in the second round. Because I believe at that point, Luke will feel like, okay, he's going to kind of take it easy and go the distance and be prepared to go the distance. And then I think it also lets him feel out the range of Luke. Right. And I think he goes in for the kill in the second round. What do you guys think of all this uh, McGregor, Mayweather, new new hoopla coming out this week? Uh, Floyd comes out and he's dancing in an octagon. He's uh, saying uh, Floyd Mayweather, MMA, is doing like some commercial for an Irish book or something like that. But he is in an octagon and... He's photoshopping himself with the MMA gloves on, and Steven Espinosa of Showtime saying eh, it's it's possible. You never know. Meeting him with this week, it's possible. Yeah, right. Um, I think he'd be crazy to step into the cage. I don't think it would be very with smart. Connor. Yeah. Well, it has to be against Connor, right? Like you're not doing this. I saw some people say, "Well, maybe T.J. Dillashaw." <laughs> yeah. Well, some people <laughs> saying like, "Oh, well, he could just go in there against somebody." Just Floyd's debut. In mixed martial arts is a big deal. It's like, nah, he's got to do it against Connor. If you're gonna do it, do it. Um, even though, like, you, you got to imagine Connor's gonna go in there, head kick it, looking to just kick his head off. I mean, but he's gonna take the legs out first. But is 
I guess to ask you like this. Financially, which mm-hmm. is what which is what Floyd is in this for. Losing in mixed martial arts, everybody wants to see Floyd lose, but losing in mixed martial arts doesn't do anything to his boxing legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, no risk. No risk. Big Lots money. of reward. Big money. Well, there is risk. I mean, your head could get kicked off. Yeah, but, you know, he'll probably, okay, I'll fight it, but I have headgear on. You think so? No. I, I would hope not. I have less interest in that. I think most would have less interest in that. If he was protected. I think it's, it, if he does it, it's some sort of compromise on the rules. Like uh, can't be on the ground that long? Uh, I don't know if it's can't be on the ground that long. Maybe it's, maybe it is the, the head kicks. It's almost like the, you know, certain, certain uh, organizations, they don't let the elbows, you know, the, right, right, right. the straight down elbows. I could see them making some sort of compromise as far as the rules go for this particular fight. We think he's going to fight again, right? Like, do you think Floyd's absolutely done? Doesn't he have to fight to keep up his lifestyle? I don't know. Like, I would think that doing the two biggest pay-per-views ever, I would hope that'd be enough to... I know he had all the tax stuff. Ask Mike. Who? Tyson about that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you never know who's got their hand in the pot and where it all goes, but... Man, you would think that two supposed $100 million fights would be enough to, you know, hundred mi- like, like half a billion almost. Well, that's what he says. We don't know. Well, Where's that money going? I don't know. Because I would think that that would just be enough to supplant. Like, why? Okay, I get the idea of wanting to fight an amateur in boxing. There's no risk. You're probably not going to get hurt. Uh, what did he, he took? He took one uppercut where... You know, people were freaking out in the first round, but really not that much damage to, to Connor. This is a situation where you're going in there, and it's not just that you're going in there into a new sport. You're going into a new sport with more variables and more mm-hmm. danger. Right. I think there's, I think there's plenty of way. I don't think realistically Floyd can win an MMA fight, a real one. That's why there's going to have to be some sort of concessions and compromise as it relates to the rules that would only make sense for it to be perceived in the public eye as a legitimate fight. With that being said, I still believe he has nothing to lose in doing this because it's like Connor had nothing to lose. Oh, he's going in the, you know, against Floyd. It's interesting. Let's watch it. Let's all pay for it and tune in because we want to see the spectacle. But while while most were were hopeful and optimistic that Connor would put some damage on Floyd, I think the reality, if we're logical about it, was very, very slim chances of him to actually win. Right. Right? When you look at it from a from a, a logical perspective. But I, I think it's the exact opposite. So Floyd steps in the cage and he gets pummeled. He gets his wet leg swept. Connor jumps on top of him, ground and pound, fights over. Is anybody gonna say, "Oh, Floyd, oh Floyd's a joke. He's no good. He's not the best, the greatest ever in boxing"? No, I think no. It, Connor had an interesting. Like Connor that, was asked about it this week, and he said, "If he doesn't do it, it's gonna follow him for the rest of time because I stepped into his game. He should step into mine." Um. I don't that's necess- Connor getting in his head. <laughs> that's Connor trying to to play the narrative in his way. But and, I get what he's saying. You know, Connor, Connor wants another hundred mil too. 
Oh, absolutely. I think if the fight happens, you never see Connor in the, in a, a regular UFC fight again. Well, let me ask you this: What do you think, guys? Like, if I'm just from pure, let's that, let's not do it from the business model, from a pure fan's perspective. Okay, who would you want Connor to fight next? Floyd. If I put it, Floyd, Tony, Nate Diaz, or Khabib. Floyd. Floyd's the, that's what you want to say. Not even a question. That's what you want to say. Not even a question because it's it's not even just the fight night. It's the hoopla that leads up to the fight. The hoopla is the fun. The spectacle and the circus that surrounds the fight that is entertaining because at the end of the day, when the fight actually happens, most likely it's going to be anticlimactic. Yes. So it's all of the circus that goes around before. He fights Nick Diaz. Okay. Nick Diaz is touched in a very special way. Habib and Tony Ferguson, I don't know if Connor can win those fights. So as a Connor fan, and I think from an entertainment, we're looking at it for an entertainment perspective, right? Whatever we're not looking we're not looking at it for, you know, from the dignified MMA perspective of what's right for the sport. I guess it's whatever makes you happy. Like you. So for entertainment, I want Floyd and Connor. What about you, Tommy Guns? Do you go from the more purest aspect, or do you want to see the circus again? The circus was fun. I can't deny the circus is fun. I love the circus. But I guess there's also a piece of me that's like, can we just get back to normal? You know, do we have? What to do- is normal? I don't know. Define normal. Well, uh, you know. Not having to have everybody be champion versus champion again. Not everybody having to do these these cockamamie quote unquote super fights or money fights. Like, can we just have contenders fight champions and just get back to where it was? But then again, I kind of want to see what it would look like. Like, I can't. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't watch it. I would. But it is. It is. It is all in a crazy place right now. But you have to do. If you're going to do it, you have to do it now, don't you? You can't do if, it five years from if now. If you're going to do the crazy, I personally would like to see it go back to what it is, the champions fighting champions or, or being eliminated as a champion. Having Tony Ferguson, I don't see Connor winning that, but I think Ferguson deserves that opportunity yeah. to fight him. Me, personally, I'm over the shenanigans of the freak shows. that I, It doesn't do anything for me. Like... I, because here's the thing. I really do want to see Conor fight Tony and Khabib. I want to see one of those matchups. And I do think that he could win those fights. I don't think they're just because he's been out of the octagon. I think Tony's very hittable. And I still think there's a lot with Khabib we don't know. He, yes, he looks very devastating. And I kind of want to see, all right, could could these guys take the crown? And then maybe we have a whole new set of fun of, okay, guys who are actual rivals of Conor McGregor again. I'm not a big... I- I don't enjoy watching Khabib fight. Like, I'm not into the, oh, he trips him, takes him to the ground, stays on top of him, and throws a bunch but of I, elbows. I break face. Like, like that's, not, that's not a fight to me, an entertaining fight. And there's a lot of people out there that like it and that are extremely excited about that, whether it's because these two guys are rolling around on the ground together and they like that part of it. I'm not quite sure. But it's not does not make for entertaining fighting to me. I think the more entertaining fight is Tony Ferguson from a title perspective. Tony Ferguson versus Connor because that to me there's a lot of less predictable elements. It's like a toss up in many regards. Flip a coin. 
the the Diaz fight is interesting because it's a trilogy. They're one in one. But if you talk about from a money perspective and an entertainment perspective and what that fight brings to the world and the hoopla that gets cir- circulated around it, it's the Floyd fight. I don't necessarily think it will happen because to me, Floyd, and his, if he's thinking logical, he I don't think he feels like he would have a shot. An MMA fighter in the in a ring, I think, has a better shot than a boxer in a cage. Oh, I agree. And I think there's a lot, lot less for, a, a lot more for him to have to overcome obstacle and challenge wise, than, than he can. Now he may say, "Okay, let's have a boxing match, but it'll be in a cage." What? That's the What's only. The that's the only way I see Floyd agreeing so to just this. Just ha- hands on. But are they going to do MMA gloves? MMA gloves in a cage no. and we'll fight. Kicks and takedowns, it's all just gotta out. go okay. in. So we're just we're just doing the optics of it. <laughs> it just has to go in. It's just it's four ounce gloves. Come so on, Floyd maybe... negotiates everything. So so you think that Floyd's gonna go to Dana White and say, All right, we'll do it in a cage, I'll wear four ounce gloves, no kicks, no submissions, no ground game. That's it. Would people be into that? No. They might because because he's in a cage. Just a different optics. Yeah, it's just it's just like Floyd fighting People Big Show at, at WrestleMania. That. We'll see. That's what it's going to be like. We'll see how it plays out. When's John Jones coming back, man? Come on. Uh, I hope this year. I hope this year. This uh, has there it, been any ruling? No, I think they're going to stretch it out I think as the long ruling, as they can. I think the ruling is supposed to come this month. They they delayed it to this month. Um, but people are people seem optimistic that he's going to be let back this year. Like this isn't going to be a long layoff for him and. But he's already been out since July, so whatever ruling they could put, let's say, let's say they put a year suspension to it, he could come back in July, you know, because it would be maybe just in time to save the UFC. Maybe I mean, look, I thought that was the best moment the UFC had this year was John Jones beating DC. The way he first of all it was an excellent fight that those two put on a great show, and I thought DC got more out of that loss than he had out of any other fight of his career, but. John Jones having that moment, and then he called out Brock Lesnar. Like, he had the right exact moment. Oh, now does he want to do it, but now he has a plan afterwards. We never had that with John. John mm-hmm. was always kind of like, well, you know, thanks, everybody. Like, the fake humble mumble kind of uh, act that he was putting on. Well, we all know, John, come on. You're, 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 you're doing lines in the bathroom and, and, and driving your car real fast. You don't have to put on a show for us anymore. <laughs> people like people like knowing you're a bit of a mess up. They like seeing the the scars all out there for you. But it would be interesting. I saw his coach come out and say, uh, "How about DC versus John Jones for the heavyweight title at the end of the year?" Are you DC interested wins. in that? Yeah. Well, doesn't DC have to win the title first? He has to win the title first. Yes. You so. think he can beat Miocic? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I think he can. I think Miocic is a harder puncher than him. Definitely is. He's definitely he's definitely dangerous. But I thought I've always thought the one thing with John with the John matchup are John's kicks, John's range with those kicks. It's such a hard thing to get under if you're DC. Um, Stipe doesn't have as much of that wow factor with the moves that John does. Less reach, less reach, less less just less less razzle dazzle with the with the moves in the cage. Um, I think he can win that fight. I really do. And 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 I know we know DC is strong as hell. The way he's been able to ragdog some of the guys in this sport, he's going to be having Kane to train for the fight. Uh, I think he's got a lot of things. Till Kane for. gets hurt. Till Kane gets hurt. Yes. Yeah. Until then. Everybody have a fantastic week.
It's Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Who you got? Eagles. Eagles, too. Who you got, Tommy Guns? Flying like that bird. All right, I like it. I was it. so disappointed for you. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. It hurts too much. Sorry. It hurts. Uh, hurts too much. We'll talk about it after. We'll give you a few weeks to heal. Thank you. I appreciate that. Welcome back, Fighters Fury. I wanted to get a segment in on some boxing. We were very UFC heavy today on the live show. Uh, last night you had German and Cajas. He defeated Israel Gonzalez, 10th round KO. He was very impressive. You know, I know that the big pitch yesterday was, oh, next uh, next Manny Pacquiao. He's in Pan- Manny Pacquiao's promotions from the same place as Manny Pacquiao. He was a very entertaining fighter. Uh, that knockout was, whew, that, I mean, that was very, very devastating with what he came through in the 10th round, straight left, boom, right on the forehead to to uh, to finish the job after he already had him down in that round, third, uh, second time of that fight. He was, uh, he was very impressive. Gilberto Ramirez, he also had a uh, had a very impressive showing against Habib Ahmed. In the sixth round, he stopped him. So top rank put on a good show yesterday. Props to them. Very, very exciting show. Uh, as far as the top headlines this week, we found out that Canelo, Triple G, their rematch is agreed upon. They had The Rock come out. The Rock had a big old, uh, you know, like uh, he, he went back to his old WWE days promoting the rematch and uh, got that all set. It's not set yet for a location. We don't know if it's going to be in Vegas or New York, at least at the time that we're uh, recording this, and I'm kind of rooting for it to be in New York. I'd like to see what that's like, a big fight week in Madison Square Garden for those two. Um, I don't know if that's a tougher sell. Like I don't know if it's tougher for Canelo fans to get to New York, uh, although Gennetti's done very good business in New York, so it'd be a little bit of a switch of the hometowns, and these guys are probably going to fight again anyway. So I'd like to see it in Madison Square Garden. I'd like to see the new location, the new terrain to it. Although maybe you don't really even notice it on fight night. I just think it'd be cool just to have a bit of a different atmosphere to it. I imagine we're going to go down there. Usually we go for all the HBO fights. We're going to travel for that show. So hopefully that's the case and Leroy and I get out there and uh, and scope out the action. So there's also a part of me that um, you know we went to Vegas multiple times this past year. We went twice. We were supposed to go three times, but the hurricane hit, so we never got to go for Kennedy. Golovkin versus Canelo, the uh, the first fight. Um, so I'd be into that. I want to see it in New York. I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, but if it's Vegas, no slight on my part. Um, there was some big news as far as a future fight for, with Vasily Lomachenko. Bob Arum says that negotiations have begun for him and Jorge Linares, who just won a couple of weeks ago. He looked pretty good in his win. Um, I think Lomachenko still does work against him. That's not one where I think Jorge, though he has a great skill set, he has an uh, he has a really really good skill set. I don't know if it's at where Lomachenko's at right now. It's tough to feel like anybody's going to beat Lomachenko right now on a reasonable basis that doesn't have just a real just something really game changing in the midst of a fight that would hurt him and make him have to fight differently. He just looks skill-wise on a different level. And just the way that he's just mentally breaking folks is so impressive. So I'm into that fight. We should get, uh, hopefully we'll get confirmation of that down the road soon. And then in heavyweights, we haven't talked about heavyweights in a while. So this Tyson Fury, who, you know, I'm tired of him coming out, and it's it's always, 
we got this out and I'm asking me fans, what you want me to fight there, love? It's like, hey, man, we've told you. The fans have told you what we want. So he comes out this week and then he says that he's sending out a contract for Shannon Briggs. Okay, great. We've only been asking for that for months. Finally, he uh, got his license back. He got his ring magazine title stripped. Um, but we won the Tyson Fury versus Shannon Briggs fight for a while. So now he says, though, that Shannon is not going to be his comeback fight. And then in the meantime, also says that he's going to send a contract out to Antonio Tarver, who we love. Um, you know, Antonio Tarver, good friend of, uh, from, of our show in the afternoons, always comes on and, and does a great breakdown of it, but hasn't fought in a very long time. I didn't even know really was that heavyweight. Uh, you know, I thought that Antonio was going to go more into the realm of, first of all, Antonio Tarver should be working on a broadcast. Let's just flat out say it. Like some of the bums that they have doing the broadcasts of this, Antonio Tarver's way more entertaining than them, way better than them, uh, more charismatic. Like some of the people they have working, like the ESP, like Tim Bradley does nothing for me. Uh, who they have, they had doing the, the PBC on Fox. Oh, they had they had Roberto Guerrero. Like they just throw these guys who are on PBC contracts. They just throw them on the broadcast. They're terrible. You know, Roberto Guerrero was uh, Robert Guerrero was terrible. Um, I, I just think Antonio Tarver is fantastic. So he should be on a broadcast somewhere. That's just a side note. But as far as fighting Tyson Fury, I didn't know that's something that actually interests him. You know, I get why you know Antonio wants to do that. It's a, it should be a decent payday for him. I'd imagine. Um, but I don't want to see it more than him fighting uh, more than seeing Shannon Briggs fight Tyson Fury. Like it's not even close. And Tyson says they, they can both get it, but neither one of them is going to be his comeback fight. So what is going to be uh, Tyson Fury's comeback fight? Who's he fighting? A koala bear? Like what, 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 what the hell is going to be his comeback fight? I don't understand this. You know, all this talk of, uh, me come back fight. I want it to be something special for fans. Get at it. Let's go. Already Tyson. You know, you come out here, you got nothing but statements time and time again about, oh, my comeback fight, my come. When's it coming? When are you going to decide? When are we going to get a pick? It's enough already with all the the guesswork that we have to do as fans. It's it's infuriating. You know, it, it all seems like BS at this point. So hopefully the Shannon Briggs fight happens. Uh, you know, we want to see the champ do that fight. He he seems like he's in a good place right now, uh, one way or another. But. Yeah, man, like if you're going to send the contract and now you don't want it to be the comeback fight, he's just, it, it just seems like all BS to me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But we got the uh, the Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz fight coming down the pipe. March is going to be a monster month for the heavyweights. Very, very, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So that's Fighters Fury this week, guys. Everybody have a great week. We'll have a full recap of all the action coming up uh, next week, UFC 221. And who knows? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fallout. There always is. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com. 